Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another Soul of America radio broadcast. Tonight's episode is Let's Straighten It Out, starring Dr. Bo, also known as Big Easy. Big Easy helps you work out and foster healthy relationships. Tonight's show is brought to you by Blog Talk Radio and hosted and produced by the Soul of America Radio. And now, without any ado, we take you directly to Let's Straighten It Out with Dr. Bo. Best interest, but 
uh, we're going to give you some information that will be helpful. And again, feel free to call in and uh, make comments or raise questions. The first thing that I want to share with you is just some uh, domestic violence facts because this really reached epidemic proportion. And when you think about the risk involved and the negative impact of people in abusive relationships and uh, violent relationships, it can be um, very dangerous. So these statistics come from the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence. It says one in every four women will experience domestic violence in her lifetime. An estimated 1.3 million women are victims of physical assault by an intimate partner each year. 85% of domestic violence victims are women. Historically, females have been often victimized by someone that they know. Uh, females between the ages of 20 and 24 are at the greatest risk of non-fatal intimate partner violence and most cases of domestic violence are never reported to the police. And that's important because these statistics are based uh, primarily on cases that are reported, and there are a lot of cases that never get reported, and even if they do, sometimes there's not much done about it. So as we talk about these statistics, remember that this is just based on reported statistics and some research. We want to look at the impact on children. Uh, children that witness domestic violence uh, between their parents or caretakers are at the biggest risk of doing that themselves later on in life. And so you have it being passed on from one generation to the next. Uh, most of the time, people that are abusive in relationships have been abused themselves. Uh, boys who witness domestic violence are twice as likely to abuse their own partners and children when they become adults. And between 30 and 60% of these perpetrators of intimate partner violence abuse children in their household. It can be very dangerous because almost one-third of female homicide victims that are reported in police records have been killed by an intimate partner. And between 70 and 80% of these homicides no matter who is killed, whether it's the man or the woman, is typically been preceded by the man being physically abusive uh, toward the woman before the murder occurs. And less than one-fifth of victims report an injury from intimate partner violence um, that seek medical care. Uh, intimate partner violence results in more than 18.5 million mental health care visits each year. So you can see that this can be very dangerous, and that's why it's so important that if you are a victim of domestic violence or you know someone who is, how critical it is to try to make sure that they are in a safe situation or that they seek safety. When you think about sexual assault and stalking, which is pretty prevalent as well, one out of every six women, or 17%, and one out of Every 33 men, which is about 3%, have experienced an attempted or completed rape during their lifetime. Nearly 7.8 million women have been raped by an intimate partner at some point in their life. Uh, sexual assault or forced sex occurs approximately 40 to 45% of time in the battering relationships. Uh, one in 12 women and one in 45 men have been stalked in their lifetime and 81% of the women that are stalked by a current or former partner are also physically assaulted by that partner, and 31% are also sexually assaulted. So just because you get out of a relationship doesn't necessarily mean that you're safe from some of the abuse because sometimes once you get the courage and resources to leave, then that person um, will stalk you and continue to try to abuse you. So um, it's very important that you try to have a safety plan and that you also have a good support network. Well, with all of this um, violence and abuse going on, it has an economic impact, which is not good considering how bad the economy is already. But uh, according to the Coalition Against Domestic Violence, 
Well, they say the cost of intimate partner violence exceeds $5.8 billion each year. $4.1 billion is for direct medical and mental health services. Uh, victims of partner violence uh, lost almost 8 million days of paid work because of violence perpetrated against them. Um, this loss is equivalent to more than 32,000 full-time jobs and almost 5.6 million days of household productivity as a result of violence. So a lot of people are hospitalized or out of work or missing work because of uh, domestic violence and abuse. Um, there are approximately 16,800 16, homicides and $2.2 million in medical treatment due to domestic violence. Uh, which costs about $37 billion per year. So uh, even if you don't have a homicide, just the medical care, the mental health care, and all of the social services that are provided for people uh, can be very costly from an economic standpoint. And again, you know, this is only based on reported incidents. That doesn't cover the incidents that are not reported. Uh, and speaking of reporting in regards to domestic violence, it's one of the most underreported crimes in our society. Only about one-fourth of all physical assaults, one-fifth of all rapes, and one-half of all stalkings uh, or against um, females were reported to the police. And so a lot of times because of fear and other reasons, victims of domestic violence and abuse or too afraid to report it to the police. Oftentimes, when it's finally reported, you find out that that's not the first incident, that it's a long-term problem. So it's a very underreported crime, and some people don't see it as a crime. They've been raised in that environment, and they see that as a normal way of living. And so most often, you know, this goes unreported. And women and children primarily are suffering for long periods of time before there's any uh, legal intervention or before they get any kind of mental health or social services to help them to uh, deal with these problems. And so what happens is once people make the report, about 20% of the 1.5 million uh, people who experience domestic violence ever obtain order of protection. So that means 80% of these people don't ever take the step of getting an order of protection to try to help themselves. And only about half of the orders of protection uh, that are obtained uh, for physical assault, um, about half of them were violated, and about two-thirds of the restraining orders against um, the, the incidents of rape and stalking or over half of them are violated. So what that means is that getting an order of protection is no guarantee, but if you don't get an order of protection, oftentimes you don't have a paper trail or documentation to show the pattern of abuse. And so that person might have abused you repeatedly for an extended period of time if you don't report it to the police and if you don't attempt to get an order of protection then that can uh, create problems because even with the order of protection, oftentimes people that are violent or that are in these abusive relationships aren't afraid of the police or the legal system. Oftentimes they already have a police record for other offenses. Oftentimes it's drugs and alcohol or some other similar problem. So the order of protection is no guarantee, but it does help and it makes it easier for the police and the legal system to take some action against people when you are a victim of abuse. And I know that's a lot of information that's been shared in a fairly short time, and as I said earlier, we'll post this on the website. But I just wanted to give you an idea of how prevalent this problem is and how underreported it is. And I want to share with you before we take a break the hotline, the, the National Domestic Violence Hotline, which I would encourage you to uh, write down is 1-800-799-SAFE or 1-800-799-7233. 
the National Sexual Assault Hotline is 1-800-656-4673. And then there's a hotline for teen dating abuse, which is 1-866-331-9474. I'll repeat these numbers again uh, later on, and also we will be posting the links on the website. So we're going to take a quick break. And then we'll come back and share some other information with you. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Bo Worldwide on Let's Straighten It Out right here on the Soul of America Radio. Give Dr. Bo a call right now at 323 784 9638. That's 323-784-9638 right here on the Soul of America Radio. This is a very important message from the Soul of America Radio. Please pardon our progress. We're making major changes in our programming and programming lineup at this time, and please ask for your patience as we do so. The Soul of America Radio isn't going anywhere. We're just making progress at this time. Thank you, and continue enjoying the rest of Let's Straighten It Out with Dr. Bo. Worldwide, let's return to Let's Straighten It Out. Give Dr. Bo a call at 323-784-9638 and press 1 when you want to speak to Dr. Bo. That number is 323-784-9638. Press 1 to speak to Dr. Bo and don't you forget it. And now, here's Dr. Bo in Let's Straighten It Out. Welcome back to Let's Straighten It Out. Tonight we're talking about abusive relationships and domestic violence. Before the break, we shared with you uh, some of the statistics that show you how prevalent domestic violence is and how dangerous it is. And we want to look at some other issues right now to get more into. We're going to talk a lot about abusive relationships and I'll be using that synonymous to domestic violence, but if you think about most of the abusive relationships, they start out and become progressively worse. So we want to look at some of the more common um, abusive relationships because we don't want to misrepresent what's going on because it might not start out to be violent, uh, but there are a lot of other types of abuse. So we want to look at what are some things that can help you to recognize abusive relationships, uh, either if you are a victim or if someone that you know and love is a victim? Now, this information that I'm going to share with you comes from the Center for Relationship Abuse Awareness, and that website is www.stoprelationshipabuse.org. That's www.stoprelationshipabuse.org. And again, we will post this as well as the website for the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence. And I will share with you a link to this uh, website that was done by Stanford University that's um, collaborating with some of the information that comes from the uh, Center for Relationship Abuse Awareness. But this information hopefully will give you an overview about issues related to relationship abuse, uh, how to recognize it, and what to do if you are a victim, as well as what can you do to help people that or friends and relatives or coworkers even, and particularly what can you do to help children to deal with that. Because as I said earlier, children that witness domestic violence are at greater risk of repeating that. So you have 
intergenerational uh, transmission of this abuse. And so sometimes we replicate or repeat we repeat what we see or what we observe. We learn how to relate and we learn how to cope and to solve problems based on the environment that we are raised in. So if you are raised in an abusive relationship environment, then you might see that as normal and natural, and you're more at risk to you know, be abusive. So according to the Center for Relationship Abuse Awareness, they define relationship abuse as a pattern of abusive or coercive behavior used to maintain power and control over a former or current intimate partner. And the main thing here is the power and control uh, issue. That's the bottom line. An abusive relationship means more than being hit by that person um, who oftentimes claims to love and care about you. Uh, it can be emotional, psychological, financial, sexual, or physical, and it can include threats, isolation, and intimidation, and ultimately those threats can be carried out uh, and it can escalate into a violent situation. This abuse tends to escalate over time, and when people attempting to use abuse and violence against their partner, um, you have to see that as a part of, the, of a bigger picture. It's not an isolated uh, incident in most instances. Um, most often it's a progressive pattern of increasingly more abusive uh, behavior because the bottom line is that person is attempting to exercise power and control over you, and uh, if you resist it, then they are going to be more diligent in their attempt to exercise power and control. And that's why it becomes progressively worse. Uh, sometimes these abusers can be very persuasive. Uh, they tell you that they love you and they care. They apologize repeatedly and promise not to do it again. And they also can be very volatile. So if you're in a relationship with a lot of broken promises and repeated episodes of any type of abuse, whether it's emotional, psychological, physical, financial, sexual, or whatever, um, you need to realize that if people make threats, oftentimes it's very likely that they will carry them out. And the more that they feel that they're losing control, especially if you have someone trying to help you, then the more dangerous they become because that's the bottom line is that um, abuse has nothing to do with love and rape oftentimes has little or nothing to do with sex, each of those episodes or each of those behaviors have an underlying component of power and control. A lot of times, you know, people that are violent or people that rape, it's not a sexual thing. It's a power and control thing. So that's very important to recognize the danger that's there because if that person, as I said, feels that they're losing control or that they're losing power, then they're more likely to be more abusive and or more violent. It's very important if you are in an abusive relationship or if you are a victim of domestic violence, if you don't remember anything else that's said, the most important thing, as I said, is safety first. But you need to understand that it's not your fault. Uh, oftentimes if you're being abused by your partner, you might you know, feel afraid and confused. You have a lot of different emotions. Sometimes you feel angry, um, you feel helpless, you feel trapped. All of these emotions can be overwhelming. And what happens sometimes is that um, these emotions are pretty common in abusive relationships, and that doesn't necessarily mean that there's anything wrong with you, and it never is your fault. Uh, so don't blame yourself for what's going on, uh, no matter what other people might say. Uh, you're never responsible for your partner's abusive behavior. And especially in dating abuse, uh, you have abusive relationships in dating, you have date rape. Um, you can't blame or you shouldn't blame it on alcohol or drugs, although that person might be under the influence of alcohol or drugs. They might be under a lot of stress. They might have trouble uh, handling their anger, um, and they might convince you that you provoked them to do what you did. But you need to realize that 
even if they're under the influence of alcohol and drugs, even if they have documented mental health problems, you know, there are solutions for that. But the bottom line is that people make decisions and make choices to be abusive. Now, I want to make it clear because just because children that are abused or people that are abused become abusers doesn't excuse or justify their behavior. There's no justification for the abuse. So just because someone might have been a victim of abuse um, doesn't excuse their behavior, and it doesn't justify their behavior. That's just a reality that we have to deal with, that, that abuse is transferred from one generation to the next. But that doesn't excuse their behavior, and you should never feel that you are to blame. Sometimes people that are victims make decisions that are not in their best interest. Uh, the agency where I work has a domestic violence shelter, um, and oftentimes these women are in the shelter, and you work with them and get them safe, and you help them to develop you know, coping skills, and then they turn around against their best interest and go back to the abuser. And sometimes it's very frustrating for staff to deal with that, but oftentimes people are feeling guilt and shame, and they... Um, have reasons for doing that, and we'll look at you know that a little bit later of why is it uh, that people have a difficult time getting out of these situations sometimes, and sometimes it's because uh, people are afraid to change. They've been intimidated. They're afraid, and sometimes this fear is very realistic. There are instances where the abuser will say, if you leave me, I'm going to kill you, and in reality they mean it. And so sometimes the women stay because they are willing to tolerate the abuse rather than to leave, and there are a lot of reasons why that's uh, not easy. So we'll look at that uh, later. So how do you know if you are in an abusive relationship? How do you know if your friends or relatives or coworkers are in an abusive relationship? So we want to share some questions that comes from the Center for Relationship Abuse Awareness that are very helpful to look at making an assessment of whether you are in a, an abusive relationship. So do you feel nervous around your partner? Uh, do you have to be careful to control your behavior to avoid making them angry? Uh, do you feel pressured by your partner when it comes to sex? Um, are you scared? Uh, to disagree with your partner? Uh, does your partner criticize or humiliate you in front of other people? Uh, is your partner always checking up on you or questioning um, what you're doing and who you're doing it with or <clears throat> making accusations? Um, do they accuse you of seeing someone else or flirting with someone else? That intense jealousy is a big red flag. Um, does your partner tell you that if you would change that, you know, he or she wouldn't treat you that way. So they're essentially blaming the victim, you know, saying it's your fault. But remember, it's not your fault. Um, does your partner's jealousy stop you from being with family and friends? You know, because of their jealousy and accusations, do you change your pattern of socialization because you're trying to avoid upsetting them? Uh, does your partner make you feel like you're wrong, stupid, crazy, or inadequate? A lot of people that are victims of abuse, of abuse have very low self-esteem, so they will allow themselves to be persuaded that it's their fault or that they are um, crazy or stupid. And, you know, again, that's just an, an intimidation factor Um has your partner ever scared you with violence or threatening behavior or actually uh, been violent? You know, um, do they threaten to harm or kill themselves if you leave them, uh, or do they threaten to harm you? Uh, you've had situations, obviously, you see this um, in movies, but I've seen it happen in real life where someone says, if I can't have you, nobody will. And there have been instances of um, homicide, suicide, where you have the abuser will kill their partner and then turn around and kill themselves. So that could be a very dangerous situation. And do they make excuses, you know, for their behavior? Um, 
blaming it on alcohol or drugs or saying, I just can't help myself, or they humiliate you in public and then say, well, I was just joking. Uh, these are all signs and symptoms of an abusive relationship. So if you are experiencing any of these um, behaviors, then you need to be mindful that there is help available for you and that you need to take steps uh, to get help. Um, there are a lot of local agencies that can um, help you to do that, but uh, remember that the hotline is 1-800-799-FAITH or 1-800-799-7233. So that number will get you in touch with the local resources. Um, you can Google or go um, online and most areas will tell you where the local uh, services are. And so it's very important that you try to be proactive. If you recognize some of these signs that we just mentioned, uh, you need to try to be proactive in trying to get help uh, for yourself. So what we're going to do now is take another quick break, and then we'll come back and look at what are some of the barriers to getting out of an abusive relationship and then what can you do to help friends, coworkers, and children? So stay tuned. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back shortly and pick up from there. You're spending your evening with Dr. Poe. Let's straighten it out right here on the Soul of America Radio. Don't go anywhere. Dr. Poe is coming right back. I'm Tony Stallings with the Soul of America Radio, and we'd like to thank you for your patience. That's right, patience during our construction. We are reconstructing SOAR for the best experience possible for you. I wouldn't have it any other way. Most of our programmings are no longer available as we are revamping everything. We aren't going nowhere. We're just getting better. Thank you for your continued support, as always. Love you in peace. Keep soaring. Give Dr. Bo a call at 323-784-9638 and press 1 to speak with Dr. Bo. This is the Soul of America Radio. And we now return you to Let's Straighten It Out with Dr. Bo right here on the Soul of America Radio. victims, 
Uh, some of the reasons they stay is basically economic reasons. Um, they can't afford to strike out on their own, and oftentimes um, I've even seen situations where uh, the woman is working and the man is not working consistently, but they control things, and um, the woman in particular, if they have children, they just economically can't afford to get out of that relationship because they don't have the resources to uh, survive independently. Uh, sometimes they've been isolated from friends and family um, to where they don't feel like they have a support network to be able to function um, without the abuser. And in some instances, they become very dependent uh, psychologically, emotionally, financially, and otherwise on that person who's abusing them. So if they've been isolated from family and friends, then they don't feel confident or comfortable leaving. Uh, most often it's fear, you know, fear of retaliation, uh, fear of being alone. Uh, you have what I call the devil I get may be worse than the devil I got syndrome. They are afraid to make a change because at least they know the history of this person and they have some idea of what this person is going to do and their pattern and how much they can tolerate. So sometimes they're afraid that if they left, if they didn't get hurt or killed, then they might get into another relationship. And oftentimes you see that pattern of repeatedly getting into uh, abusive relationships. It could be because of threat. That person who's abusive might uh, be threatening to commit suicide or murder. Uh, if they left, they might threaten loved ones like your children or family members or even pets. And in this day and age, when you have a situation of people that are in this country illegally, they might threaten to call Immigration and Nationalization Services to report you or sometimes even threaten to take your children. So a lot of times that's the way that they maintain control is to make these threats. And if you're afraid that they're going to actually carry out these threats, then you know, that can make it very difficult for you to leave that situation. Another reason is people just don't have the resources. They don't have the financial and other resources. Sometimes they're not aware of the services that are available to them. And most cities have some social services that provide help. Most, a lot of cities are funded by United Way or other uh, means. A lot of cities have social service um services through the city, or you have mental health centers or shelters. So there's a lot of information out there to let you know um, what is available. Another unfortunate problem is that there's a limited number of shelter spaces, so sometimes the shelters just really are so full they can't admit people. At my agency, we always try to find alternative shelters, but sometimes there are just no alternatives. Um, another reason that people um, stay in relationships is because they genuinely love and care about their partner and they don't want them to get hurt. They either don't want them to be arrested or imprisoned. So uh, it's a very confusing kind of love and it's a very ambivalent kind of love because you know you care about that person but at the same time that person is hurting you and putting you at risk of your safety in your life. And so that can be very frustrating because you really have a genuine uh, love for that person. Another thing is that sometimes people actually believe that their partner is going to change. They make all these promises, and even though they never follow through with these promises, a lot of times people think that they will, so they stick with it. You know, sometimes it might be just a cultural thing or a religious thing or your family is pressuring you to stay together all the time, stay there for the kids or we don't get divorces in our family. We don't believe in divorce. Um, if you really love that person, uh, you would stick it out. So there are a lot of cultural or social uh, reasons for people having difficulty leaving. Uh, sometimes people are feeling shame and guilt or they just might be overwhelmed with depression and just don't have the energy and the uh, initiative to uh, to do things about that. 
and unbelievably, some people think, well, it's really their fault, so they out of guilt and shame are unwilling to leave. And so um, it's not easy to get out of a relationship sometimes, even though you clearly recognize the risk and the danger. Uh, sometimes people have just been so intimidated and controlled that sometimes they don't feel like they're capable of getting out of that relationship. So if you are a loved one, then you need to understand that you're on the outside looking in and that person knows their abuser a whole lot better than you do, even though the abuser may be a relative. It might even be your child. Um, You don't always know what's going on behind closed doors. So if a person tells you that they are afraid to leave, then you need to understand that that might be realistic, that they've seen the danger and they are afraid of their life in some instances. So you have to be very patient and you have to be uh, very diligent in trying to work with that person to help them to, one, look for the safety of themselves and their children, and, two, uh, look for alternatives to help them to uh, get help that they need. So if you know someone that's being abused and you want to help them, some of the things that you can do is just to be a non-judgmental listener. Um, uh, a lot of times people are feeling ashamed or they are feeling that they can't do anything or they might be afraid because they told you that you're going to judge them. So sometimes all you can do is listen. You don't need to feel like you got to have all the answers or to know what to do. Sometimes people just need someone to listen to them to get the ball rolling for them to be able to move on and to be able to uh, help themselves. Uh, You want to keep reminding the person that it's not their fault um, and that they're not alone. There are a lot of people uh, being abused. As I said, you know, one out of four women uh, are victims of domestic violence and other types of abuse is even more prevalent than that. And so you want to emphasize that if they won't help, that there's help available, but you also need to be looking at um, becoming more aware of these resources and uh, help them to uh, pursue that. And you want to make sure that you uh, explain to them that what they're experiencing is that they're a victim of crime. Um, That's the bottom line. It's criminal behavior, especially when it becomes violent uh, to the point of someone having to seek metal, medical or mental health care, you know, that can be uh, criminal. So uh, don't hesitate to take advantage of the hotline um, that are available to you and to get help. And don't, you know, hesitate to report it to the police so that you can have a documentation or a record of that. Um, it's important for you to help that person to develop and follow through with the safety plan in case of an emergency. Um, You want to do that hopefully before there's been some, you know, violence um, to help people say that if this happens, this is my escape route or this is what I can do to ensure my safety because once the person is being abused or where the violence is taking place, um, sometimes that's too late to think about safety because um, oftentimes it escalates so fast that you can't really prepare yourself. So you need to prepare it in advance. And it's advisable that you don't leave it around for the person who's abusing you to see it. Uh, You need to have a safe, secure place to keep it and to prepare yourself to be able to get out of that situation. Uh, And you want to encourage the person to... Uh, make their own decisions because one of the things that's happened is that because the person who's abusing them has attempted to exercise power and control over them and you come along and you're pressuring them to move faster than they feel comfortable or to do something that they don't want to do, then if you're not careful, you can perpetuate that uh, sense of being controlled um, because you're you have good intentions and you're just trying to be helpful, but sometimes you want to 
allow that person to make their own decisions about it and to try to help them to follow through with taking advantage of some of the professional help that's out there. And so if you want to um, help them, then find out what some of those resources are. Find out the hotline. Find out where the shelters are. Uh, find out what the procedures are to get an order of protection and that sort of thing so that you can help the person um, to follow through with getting assistance. Sometimes you might even have to accompany that person to go in to seek help. But you have to be real patient and non-judgmental. and the best thing that you can do for that person is to be a friend, to be a listener and ear, uh, sometimes just your physical presence is like dealing with someone who is bereaved or going through grief. You might not know what to say or what to do, and sometimes you don't have to do or say anything except to be there for them and to let them know that you're not going to judge them and that no matter what decision they make, you're going to do your best to try to be supportive and to help them to get through that situation and then really push for them to go and get some help um, because there's a lot of help available uh, out there. Uh, what about uh, if it's a coworker? You might not feel as comfortable um, approaching a coworker about something like that, but um, when you have a situation where you see changes in behavior, you have people showing up with uh, bruises or injuries that seem questionable, um, people that are frequently late or absent, or they're getting calls from their partner all during the day. Um, you have people where there's a noticeable change in their behavior, someone who's usually pretty neat, you know, coming in looking like they've um, been sleeping in their clothes, uh, people that feel, uh, seem, you know, very reactive, easily startled, uh, fearful and anxious. Um, you have people with a lot of medical complaints, um, you know, preoccupied or having difficulty making decisions. These were some signs and symptoms of abusive relationships with your coworkers. And you want to be tactful. Uh, always try to do it in a private, confidential manner. Don't ask them about it in the break room with other people around. But you know, just say, I've noticed whatever it is that you've noticed and I'm concerned, and I just want you to know, you know, that if you need some help, I'm here for you. Uh, some of that depends on what kind of relationship you have with that person already, but um, when you approach that person, you, know, you want to let them know that you know they're not at fault and they don't deserve to be treated that way and to encourage them to get help. Now, oftentimes when you do that, the person is going to deny it. They're going to say, oh, I'm okay, and they'll make excuses. And if that's the case, then don't try to pressure them because, again, that's just replicating the power and control that they've been victim to by their abuser. And you might wait a while and go back. And so I know we've discussed this before, but you know, I'm really concerned. And if that person continues to deny it, then uh, you have to just let them know that you were concerned and that if they uh, need some help, that you are available uh, that these things are fairly common and you just wanted to be there for them and to help them if necessary. And so what do you do if the person says yes? Uh, you've got to be patient with that person and uh, realize that they need to uh, get help. It's very important that you maintain uh, confidentiality and that you uh, respect that person's uh, decisions. And let them know, you know, if they admit it, you want to, one, thank them for having the confidence in you to share that very sensitive information. And you also uh, want to reassure them that you believe them, that you're going to maintain confidence. Uh, you want to let them know that you're sorry that they were um, hurt and remind them again that it's not their fault. Uh, at this juncture, you have to be really careful about what you offer to do, because if you offer to provide assistance, then you need to make sure that you're willing and able to do that, because if you get that person to open up to you and spill their guts, and then you are not there for them, 
then that could be very devastating to them, and they might not trust anybody else to open up later. So although you're trying to be helpful, you need to make sure uh, that you're considerate of exactly how much help you're willing and able to make. Um, So that's something that's very uh, important. Uh, If you are in a relationship like that and you're getting emails or calls from your uh, mate um, or your partner, then you want to keep copies of the email so you develop a paper trail or even uh, record messages so that you have uh, some documentation. Uh, if you are being stalked or harassed and you want to you know, keep track, just document, document, document. Uh, if you get a restraining order, you want to make sure you always keep that with you. Um, and also to always have a picture of the abuser. And with this uh, day and age of cell phones, it's pretty easy to have uh, pictures or to even uh, keep some of these documents on your phone. Uh, if you work in a place that uh, has security, you might want to make arrangements for them to uh, help you to and from your car. And you have to get over the embarrassment of that. I know most people don't feel comfortable uh, letting folks know that they're having these problems, but um, better safe than sorry is better to let people know that you're going through that. And in most instances, people are going to be uh, probably more understanding uh, than you think. And so it's very important that you uh, are mindful of sometimes you have to, for lack of a better word, swallow your pride and go on and uh, take advantage of the help. If you are an employer, then you want to try to be uh, supportive of people, and if there are ways to provide um, safety, uh, a lot of uh, companies have employee assistance programs that are specifically designed to help people uh, to deal with those type of problems. Um, but it's very important for you to be mindful of what you can do to help. And again, don't offer to do something that you aren't going to be um, willing and able to carry out. Uh, we're getting close to running out of time. We're going to take a really quick break, and I'm going to come back and we're going to look at what are some things that you can do uh, when there are children uh, that are you know, witnessing this, or particularly if there are children that are being abused. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back shortly. Let's straighten it out. We'll return right after these messages. Don't waste another minute thinking about it. Pick up the phone and give us a call at 323-784-9638. And if you're holding and want to speak right now, Press 1 to speak to the host. You're listening to the Soul of America Radio. Welcome back to Let's Straighten It Out. The phone lines are open for your call right now. Dr. Bo will be taking your calls at 323-784-9638 and press 1 if you want to speak on the air live. Again, that number is 323 323- Seven eight four nine six three eight, and just simply press one if you want to speak to Dr. Bo. And now, welcome back to Let's Straighten It Out, starring Dr. Bo on the Soul of America Radio. Okay, folks, welcome back. Uh, we're about out of time and. Again, we want to thank you for tuning in, and um, hopefully it's been of some benefit to you. Uh, Again, I will be leaving this information on the website so that you will have access to it. But the main thing is that if you want to call the Domestic Violence Hotline, that number is 1-800-799-SAFE or 1-800-799-7233. 
Um, a lot of this information that I've been sharing with you, as I said, comes from um, the National Center um, for Abusive Relationships, um, and that website is www.stoprelationshipabuse.org. That's www.stoprelationshipabuse.org. And then the National uh, Center for uh, the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence is www.ncadv.org. So we're going to post that on the website so that you'll have access to it. Uh, I will include the links to some of these articles that I felt were uh, very helpful. It has a lot of other resources on there, so there's help available. Now, what if you have children? Again, as I said earlier, uh, children that have been exposed to domestic violence are more at risk of becoming abusers uh, as they become adults. So depending on the age of the child will influence how you deal with that and what you do. But I think it's important, you know, particularly for children that are five or six years or older, uh, to give them permission to uh, talk about their father, the family, the violence. And even if it's hard for you to do it, they need to get it out of their system. They need an outlet for it. You need to be listen carefully and try to understand what is it that they're afraid of. Because sometimes the children, even younger children, uh, can feel guilty or that it's their fault. Uh, they worry about what's going to happen. They don't want their parents to divorce. And so they need to be reassured uh, that whatever's going on is not their fault and that you're going to do whatever you can to protect them. Because the other thing that can be very difficult is that the children are going to be loyal to both parents and you shouldn't put them in a position of having to choose between one or the other. Unfortunately, a lot of times you have uh, children being told, well, you're going to be just like your daddy or, you know, so you shouldn't cause them to have to choose sides and you want to make sure that you let them know that you're going to make every effort that you can to keep them safe and that um, they are okay to talk about what it is, but you also have to understand that sometimes it might be difficult for them to talk about it, and uh, just like you don't want to try to force an adult to talk about it or to admit it if they're not ready, uh, sometimes you have to be patient with your children. And I know that parents might think, well, if I don't help them deal with it now, they're going to hold it in and it's going to... Uh, be worse later, but you have to be patient and to let them know that if they change their mind, um, that you're going to be there for them. Uh, if they seem frightened or worried, uh, this is you know something that's obviously going to be of concern to you. And if it gets to be where it interrupts their ability to function, or if they're having trouble eating or sleeping, or not doing well in school, then you want to make sure that you get them checked out by their pediatrician or a counselor because um, oftentimes children experience these things in different ways and they express their um, issues in different ways. And so remember that you got to take care of yourself before you can take care of the children. So that's a lot of information that's been shared in a relatively short time and we want to make sure um, that you have access to this information. So, again, we're going to post the links on the website. Uh, we will post some links on there to where you can uh, access uh, some of this information. And hopefully uh, you'll follow through and make sure that you take advantage of what's out there. So we'll have something different for next week. Uh, thank you for tuning in. And tune in tomorrow. My buddy Tony has a very uh, exciting show. We're going to be talking about Gabby and the Jacksons and uh, Serena. So the same number that you tune in here, you can listen to his show tomorrow. So thank you for listening, and until next week, uh, we will see you later. <laughs>